This is PhotoBizX, episode number 428, and I am excited to bring this episode to you today because we are talking about building a profitable portrait photography business, and specifically in the UK, and the reason that is so relevant is many photographers believe they live in an area where it's impossible to get great sales from portrait photography. Our special guest is Siona Masumi, and she shares exactly how she's been generating three to four and a half thousand dollar sales per session in Scotland, which is obviously in the UK. And the good news is you can apply what she is doing to your business, whether or not you live in the UK and whether or not you live or service an affluent area in your location. I think you're going to get a ton from this one, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. We are going to have a short intro before we get into this interview with Siona. And like I alluded to a second ago, I really am excited to bring this one to you because this is a conversation that was started in the PhotoBizX Premium Members Facebook group a little while ago, where there was a strong discussion about the lack of ability to get the kind of prices in the UK from portrait photography clients that members and listeners were hearing from other guests who were interviewed from around the world, in Australia, in New Zealand, in the US, in, well, maybe not so much Canada, because I think, or I believe the Canadians feel they're a little bit like the UK photographers, where it is tough to get the kind of numbers that they're hearing on the podcast from other guests. So Siona is here to demystify and debunk those ideas if you live in an area where you feel it's tough to generate great sales from portrait photography. Now, if you didn't catch last week's episode with Katrina Christ, make sure you get back and have a listen to that one. It is a great prelude to this interview because Katrina is making killer sales here in Australia. And interestingly, all her photographic sessions are taking place in an outdoor carport at her home-based studio. And then she does her sales at home as well. So everything's home-based for her. She's getting incredible sales, selling lots and lots of wall art, and she covers exactly how she's doing that in last week's episode. So go and check out Katrina Christ if you haven't heard that one, and get ready to understand how the same thing is possible wherever you are based in the world. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. And after the interview with Siona, I do have one big announcement to share with you, and that is in regards to the LinkedIn training, which is kicking off this week. More about that after the interview. But if you want to go and check it out now, head over to photobizx.com forward slash LinkedIn. The training is going to be delivered over the next four weeks by Jeff Brown. He is the LinkedIn expert and photography business coach. And I believe this is going to be the best value training ever that's ever been offered through the PhotoBizX platform. And if you aren't on LinkedIn or are struggling to use it effectively, 
you won't want to miss this one. It's an absolute cracking bargain at 97 US dollars for the full four weeks of training. Plus, you get access to the recordings and the standalone course once the training is completed. The price will be doubling after September 2021. So again, more details about that after the interview with Siona. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is a portrait photographer based in Scotland. She started her photography business in 2007, focusing on boudoir with just $500 in what you might call an unpleasant area in the city of Glasgow. That business grew into a six-figure business. In 2015, she switched genres to newborn and family photography. And today, clients spend anywhere from three to four and a half thousand dollars per session, and she photographs around two to three sessions a week. She's a mother of three, having had her first baby in her first year of business, and a great believer in jumping in and getting started in business with whatever you have. Perfection should not be a factor. Now, there's something about her photography that really makes it stand out in the family photography genre. It's high contrast, it's beautifully lit, it's emotive, and even edgy. However you describe her style, it's attention-grabbing. Now, I'm talking about Siona Masumi, and I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Siona, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> did I get your surname correct? I didn't actually ask before we started recording. Yes, yes, you did. Um, first name and surname is always a question. It's always a topic of conversation, but yeah, it's just exactly as you see it. So it's Suona Misumi. So is that, is that a Japanese? Um, has it got a Japanese ring to it? Well, I married my husband's Kenyan, so it's not actually a Kenyan name. It does border on a Japanese name. So yeah, that's all I know. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> Well, it's great to be talking to you, especially, well, and also for the fact that my wife, Linda, is also from Glasgow in Scotland, so she'll probably have a chuckle Amazing. when she hears me say the unpleasant or an unpleasant area in the city of Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was very unpleasant. It was very unpleasant to the point where the building is no longer there. Oh, really? So that's how unpleasant it was, yeah. <laughs> so was it just the building or the actual area that you were located in? Oh, no, it was the area. It was the area. It was all we could afford. We had an idea, um, my friend and I, we had an idea and we looked around and this was all we could afford. And we were both still working part time. And we kind of agreed between ourselves that if we got a booking, if we were lucky enough to get a booking, then we would decide between us who could go and take that booking. So she worked nights, I worked days. And we tried to kind of figure that out. But it was the only place we could afford. And it was, you know, if we didn't get any bookings, we worked out that we could still afford to pay the rent on the lease if we didn't get anything. So that was our kind of, that was our starting point. But yeah, not a great spot at all. <laughs> so, and was this a partnership or was it just two friends going into business and seeing what happens? Two friends going into business, seeing what happens. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was what it was. We studied together and we hired a studio in the city um, one day we've got some friends in and we've got a makeup artist and we just kind of we just kind of went no props anything like that we just kind of so okay let's just do an afternoon and see how we get on with boudoir because we really liked the idea of the kind of empowerment side of boudoir and we really wanted women to feel good about their bodies themselves and just feel empowered so we got everyone together we did a boudoir shoot and we hired the studio I think for like three hours and friends came along and we were absolutely amazed at what we created 
and we took we had people press the shutter and did timers so that we were also in the photograph so we could experience what it was like from a client's point of view as well and we looked at those photos and we thought yeah let's let's do this we can do this and then we looked at <laughs> we looked at leases you know we just finished being a student we finished this, finished our studies in may and we had a look around for leases and then we signed our first lease in the november Wow. Yeah, just right before Christmas. <laughs> That's incredible. My parents, and I don't know how old you were at the time, but my parents would be saying, are you crazy taking out a lease? You've just finished school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how old was I? I think I was, I'm trying to think now, was I 27? 27 or 12, 28. Okay, so not a baby. 20, 27, 28. And my friend was five years younger than me. So we were just fresh out of uni, still working our part-time jobs. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. And then, I mean, I know I said in the intro that business grew to a six-figure business. And we're talking six mm-hmm. figures in British pounds, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we are. So the listener can basically double that for Australia or close to it and probably times and a half for, for the US, mm-hmm. maybe double for Canada. So amazing business. Yeah. Did it take off quickly or was this a slow a slow grind? For about I think the first six months it was really slow. You know, six months in photography businesses is just a blip really when you think about it. But for us we just we were feeling it was just taking a little bit of time. So we contacted a PR guy and we said, Listen, you know, can you help us with this? And he was like, yeah, okay, we can do a feature. We kind of gave him the money that we had. <laughs> Again, it was all that we had. We just put everything into whatever it was. And he got us a feature in a newspaper. And it was all about, you know, two student photographers, you know, empowering women, that type of thing. And we paid him to get us into the newspaper. And then we got some inquiries from that. And we just, we were finding we were starting to get a little bit busier. And for me, I really felt like we had to move location. I felt like it was kind of letting us down a little bit. It was great to get started. And those first bookings really, you know, they also gave us the experience that we needed to, you know, sort of run a business. And then we decided that we just kind of had to move to a new place. And after, I think it was about eight months or so, we quit our part-time jobs and we decided just to jump all in. And then a few months after that, we moved to a bigger premises and then we moved again. <laughs> we, we got a bit bigger and we moved again. But yeah, it was really, we put our all into it. Absolutely everything. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. So I have to ask, are you still friends today? We are best friends. Yes. Still today? Okay, because <laughs> yeah. usually these things don't end well. Yeah, she's my absolute closest friend. Yeah, so we did end up going our own ways in terms of just business and work eventually when I started doing my own newborn and family. But no, we were, we're still really good friends. Fantastic. We're the same but different, and I think that, that works. So just tell me and the listener about that change. So did it come to a point, like what was the point where you said or you thought, okay, it's time to dissolve this partnership, I want to go my own way? Well, to be fair, it was kind of slightly forced upon us. So we were in our third property. And at that point, you know, we were getting a lot of newspaper features, um, not just about photography, but also about business. And then we were due to re-sign our lease. And what happened was we were just about to sign and they wanted us to sign for much longer time than we wanted to do. How long? 
Um, so we wanted to sign for five. They wanted us to sign for 10. 10 years. Wow. Yeah, with a break option at five. But the way that everything kind of panned out was that they then, because we were kind of disputing that, even though we'd agreed, it was like six weeks to sign the lease. And we said, okay, let's do that. And they wanted longer. So I think in effect, they found another tenant for the property. And this is sometimes what I feel now, what I speak to other businesses about. Sometimes if you're, you're leasing, which is obviously the cash flow wise and stuff is a good thing to do. You're kind of at the mercy of somebody else. So they decided that if we didn't sign for that, they would take someone else in and they gave us six weeks notice to leave. <laughs> right. Okay. So if you were to re-sign for 10 years, would the rent have stayed the same? Is that why they wanted you out? Did they find someone who was willing to pay more? I don't know what happened on the other side. So they gave us six weeks and we thought, okay, let's go and find another premises. But, you know, we hadn't budgeted to move. We struggled to find a premises that would work for us because what we did was we grew our business to the point where we had a studio, a boudoir studio, but we also had a shop on the side of that. So we sold corsetry, lingerie and jewellery and things like that that would complement photo sessions. And we also had a corset hire section. So the corsets were very designer. Um, they were kind of three, four hundred pounds to buy, but you could also hire some of them. So we had... It was a kind of, you know, photography on one side and then the corset two on the other, which kind of, you know, complemented that. So to try and find a property that covered everything was a really massive task in six weeks. And I kind of, we were in a point where, what do we do? What do we do? And I think, I think my friend, I think she just got a little bit fed up with the whole thing of the lease and everything. It really kind of really upset her. And then at that point, we just says, okay, we've got no option to close. Let's close it you know, take a few months off and kind of see what we want to do, you know, and see what we want to go forward with that. And then I think, so then she decided that she didn't want to go back to doing that. So I then started to shoot newborn and family just to see how it was, see how I felt about it. And then I thought, no, I actually really enjoy this. And then we moved into a house that had space for a studio for me. And that became my studio. And that's where I started my next business and I kind of grew that from there. Wow. Okay, let me take you back, Siona, to the point where the lease was expiring. At that point, how successful was the boudoir business? It was really successful. It was still very successful. I think that it did take a lot of, it was a lot of time and a lot of work. And I think that, I don't know, I, I think that, we always felt like when we started doing this, we always felt like we started it kind of a bit younger before we decided kind of where we wanted to go, what we wanted to do. And we always felt like it would have some kind of shelf life. We didn't feel like it was a, an indefinite business that we would just both run for years and years to come. You know, there would be times when we would maybe want to have a family or maybe, you know, spend a bit more time off. Um, so we just felt that it was, it's maybe come to, for me, I could have kept going with it, I think. But then at that point, I was also mum of two. And the thought of trying to refine another studio that ticks all the boxes and everything, it just seemed like a mammoth task. And then I kind of went back to the whole thing about, you know, is this the shelf life that we've always kind of talked about? And I still, my friend, she doesn't do photography anymore. But for me, it was something that I still always wanted to do. So I thought I'm going to do something else. And then that's how my uh, my newborn and family portraits started to started to come around. 
Nice. So in the intro, I said that you built it to a six-figure business. Now, like six figures can be a lot of different things. Are we talking over 100,000? Yeah, yeah, over 100, yeah. Over 200? Uh, yeah, over 200. Over 200, and we're talking, again, British pounds. Yeah, pounds. So that's that's an incredibly successful. So I'm guessing it wasn't just the two of you in the business. This was a, a pretty big concern. Yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, we would shoot maybe four sessions a day. Um, about we never used to open on a Monday or a Sunday um, but then sometimes near Christmas time we would open on a Sunday and that also because we're boudoir you know it was a full experience for our clients so our client would have hair and makeup artistry done so we had two hair and makeup artists full time and then we had one who we would kind of call in for holidays and would come and work part time as well to cover holidays and then we had another two photographers and then we had two part-time reception staff and admin staff as well. So it was quite a big operation to go from two people who would just get to the studio one time and turn the heaters on three hours before so it was warm to the point where, you know, our reception staff could greet our guests and things. So they would have their hair and makeup done whilst they were having that done. They would have a glass of fizz and then we'd have a, an outfit consultation try on some courses if they wanted to hire one. Um, yeah, so it was a full, you know, it wasn't just photography. It was a full-on experience. Brides would come to create gifts for husbands-to-be. We also had really poignant clients who, you know, who are possibly going through breast surgery and would um, come to the studio to be photographed as they were prior to that. So it was a very empowering and sometimes very emotional experience for people, women who'd lost a lot of weight and wanted to celebrate that kind of thing. Sure, sure. And did you say a glass of fizz champagne? Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full experience, full relaxation and enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So we're talking like a a four to five hundred thousand dollar like turnover business. This is a great a great business. Mm -hmm. So when you close the door, I mean, you're really cutting off a big chunk of income there. I'm really surprised that your friend yeah. didn't keep pursuing photography. Did she move into something else uh -huh. entirely? Um, she moved on to having a family and she wanted just to spend as much time with her family as possible. And for me, so at that point as well, I had two children. And when I started my newborn and family photography I was pregnant with baby number three who is now nearly six <laughs> which has gone by in the blink of an eye so for me also yeah it was difficult but I felt like where I had grown it I felt like I could do that again even though I was starting with a completely different genre I felt like I could do it again however having done it again there are things that I've done different um, or that I do different that maybe I didn't do with boudoir. But it gives me it gives me the opportunity to be much more flexible and spend the time with my children and still have a really good business that brings me everything that I need and more. For me, it was also a big lifestyle change as well because I was always at the studio. I would be at the studio in the evening and then I would come home and do some more before I went to bed. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd be up there first thing in the morning. So, yeah, I was always there. So it's not like that now with the new business? No, it's not. So the way I work now is very flexible. So I see a lot less clients. And, you know, I had people that would do editing for me before. So the photographers would do editing, do all the lab orders, check them when they come in, you know, all that kind of thing. Whereas now, obviously, when you're a solopreneur, you wear every single hat. But so that took me, <laughs> took me a while to find my stride with that. 
But, you know, at the very start of boudoir, that's exactly what I did also. So, so yeah, life is, life is different now. It's a lot slower paced. I've got a lot more time to spend with my clients. And it's meant that now I also have time to pursue other things which were always kind of on the back burner, even in business. So for things like, you know, I'd wanted to look at training photographers for a while and I just, I didn't ever get around to it, whereas now I can do things like that. So I think it was, it was definitely a lifestyle choice to spend more time with family. Nice. And I want to ask you one more question about the old business, but just before I do, like talking about your business now, I know it's more geared to your lifestyle, being around your family. Now that it's just you in the business without all the big overhead, is it more profitable? Is it as profitable? Is it way less profitable? How does it stack up? It's definitely a lot more profitable. Really? In which case, I don't, you know, I'll, how many shoots do I do a week? Maybe two, um, possibly three. And then by the time I do the viewing appointments as well. So I don't have the things I had before. So I don't have staff costs I don't have lease costs. I don't have water rates. You know, all the things that come along with a lease, I don't have those because everything I do is from the studio at home, which also makes another big difference. I don't even have to pay for parking anymore. I used to have to pay for parking when I went to work. I don't have to pay for parking anymore. You know, there's lots of things now that when, you know, I get a sale that before, you know, you'd have to take this much out for lease, this much out for staff, this much out for rates, you know, this much out for everything. And now it's not like that. So now it's more so a takeout for marketing and product costs mostly. Yes. So, yeah. Nice. The things really, they sound like they're better now being smaller than they were when they were bigger. Yeah. And it's, it's much more manageable. I think, obviously, if you're doing this by yourself, don't get me wrong, I'll still call on my friend for a bit of editing now and then. <laughs> See, what are you doing this weekend? Um, but, yeah, you know, it's much more manageable. I think I am much more, you know, a bit more relaxed with, you know, how I shoot. You know, when I shoot a session, I don't have any other clients in that day. So, you know, we take as long as it needs. There's never a rush. There's never a feeling, oh, you know, the lease is due lease payment is due this week you know we really need to get some great big sales it doesn't feel like that anymore so yeah I feel like you know I've definitely made a lot more friends from my clients just because everything is a bit slower paced it's nice nice I'm going to come back to the sales in just a second Mm -hmm. and a couple of other things that you've brought up but just going back to the, the boudoir business you had so many clients coming in was there anything that you're doing in the marketing then that you're still using today or is it totally different the marketing to get that many clients in no so we were in a lot of newspapers you know there would be women's sections that would say can I come and have a shoot with you and I'll chat about it in the newspaper so we're like yeah of course you can and there was business features there was so we were in the press quite a lot as far as we were aware we're the only boudoir studio in Glasgow dedicated boudoir studio and we would go to a lot of wedding shows and chat to brides to be as well but in terms of like I didn't do Instagram then there was no such thing as Facebook groups then either (laughs) none of these (laughs) things were around so I did it the old-fashioned way, and I still stand by that. I went and I spoke to people, and I contacted people, and I told them about our services, and I invited people in for shoots, and I went to newspapers, and I went to events, and I physically got my butt out the chair and went to speak to people, which I think sometimes now isn't done as much because I think a lot of photographers, you know, especially starting out, would rely on social media. 
But I think the best way is just to get out there and speak to people. And we did a lot of that. We did that a lot. And I love that you did that. Do you still do that today? Like, do you still go to the, I mean, the newspaper? Do you still go out to the, the bridal expos? Do you still do all those things and actually talk to people today? Yeah, so I do. Um, I don't do newspapers. So boudoir was very newspaper worthy. So everybody wanted to hear about the boudoir type of thing and the empowerment thing. The newborn family photography, it's not so much of a newsworthy event, you know, unless you're photographing a family of specific, you know, for a specific thing or whatever. But no, I do go and talk to people. I do go to events. I do try and, you know, the other thing about this is, is meeting the right client for you. You know, social media, you know, a lot of eyes will see it, but it's the right people. And I think that if you go to events and you speak to people, you make that connection. And I still do events now whenever I can. And I find that's one of the best ways for me to find new clients. And those new clients, they come to me, you know, for their newborn session. And then they come for their sitter. They come when the children are older. They come when their next baby arrives. And most of those clients, most of my most loyal clients come from events that I've been to and I've spoken to them physically. Right. So can you give me an example of a kind of event that you would go to for family or newborn photography? Yeah, so a baby and toddler show specifically. So there are in Glasgow, there's events happen at the SEC, the uh, conference centre. And there are sometimes you can find local events around too. But I find the bigger event, although they are, you know, they might be a bit, you know, sore on the pocket at first. What you get back in that is fantastic. So if you can get to a big baby and toddler event or even a home event um, where people like to have wall art in their homes, because that's primarily what I sell the most is wall art. So, you know, if you can get to an event that's about homes or about families or about newborns or about maternity and show them what we do, how you can create these same images for them. And most of it is people have a lot of concerns, I find. And then when you start to talk to them, and kind of quash those concerns, it's, they feel a bit differently about it and they've already met you. So they feel like that's half the battle sometimes. So what kind of concerns would they have? Well, I think the, the biggest one I get from newborns and families is a dad doesn't want his photograph taken. Um, <laughs> that's, the biggest, that's the biggest one that I get an awful lot. And I've currently got somebody inquiring about birth photography and she really wants to do it, but her husband is not so sure. So... I think sometimes with dads, you know, when I explain to them, you know, the style I shoot is very candid. I will shoot a couple of posed ones, don't get me wrong, but what I shoot is very candid. You're, when I'm shooting with newborns, you know, dad will be interacting with newborn. He won't be looking at me. And I think once I explain that to them and I show them, you know, some images, you know, it's, it's kind of like this. I think a lot of dads maybe think that we hold up the baby and say cheese and it really puts them <laughs> off. Um, yeah. So once they, and I've found that, you know, I've had dads that come in and they're like, oh, she's like, he really wasn't up for this. And I'm like, I know it'll be fine, don't worry. And then they come back for the viewing and the dads are absolutely shocked at the photographs. They love them. And they'll tell me, you know, I'm really glad that that came along and I spoke to you. And, you know, that's probably the biggest quash when I go to an event. And then obviously there's price. Um, that's always a factor. But for me, I don't, I don't jump straight onto price. Um, I talk about what the client wants, what they're looking for, their experiences, what they expect from a photographer, you know, and really go all out on service. Got it, got it. So can you, Siona, describe what your stand would look like at one of these shows? Mm -hmm. So I would usually, I probably have a photograph on my Instagram somewhere. So I would normally have maybe two huge standout wall art pieces. 
So normally I try and go for a corner section or I'll try and go for a long midsection. I like to go for a corner section. We did that a lot with boudoir and the corner sections where people, they can't miss you. But if you're in the middle of two other exhibitors, then sometimes people just walk past and you can talk to people when you're standing on the corner a lot easier. So I would normally go for a corner section. I would normally have two standout wall art pieces. I would tailor what I showed depending on the show that I was at. So if I'm at a baby and toddler show, then what I'm showing is newborn and young toddler photographs. Two huge standout pieces. I would have some other supporting images around. I would have an album for them to flick through. And that's normally just what I would have. I would dress it up in my brand colours. And I would also have an option for them to enter a competition, a giveaway type of thing, if they wanted to do that. And I would normally... A lot of people say try not to aim for booking sessions at a show, but I aim to book sessions at a show. I will get one or two bookings afterwards, but most of the bookings I get are physically at the show. Right. So with your stand, do you have like a, a lounge suite or something like that to dress it up like someone's lounge room? Or is it just, is it pretty bare on the floor, but it's more the walls that are decorated? Yeah, it's pretty bare on the floor. So I just use my brand colours fabric on the back and then I'll have I'll have an easel with an image on it maybe also to kind of attract attention so it's not everything is just not on the walls. I'll also maybe have an easel on the other side which will maybe have details of like, you know, talk to me about today's offer or, you know, let's chat about newborn or something like that, you know, just some kind of text for people because sometimes when I'm at a show, I, if I'm talking to people already and I can't, you know, get to the next person. I normally draft in some help if I'm doing it by myself, but sometimes people are waiting to talk to me. So if they see that there's an offer or a discount on the day or whatever, people will stand around um, and it's a way to tell them without, you know, being able to speak to them. Okay. And is this offer, is this like the competition or is it something in addition to that? You know, yeah, it's something completely different. So if you book that day, um, there's always an incentive to book. So it could be a reduced session fee, it could be a complimentary frame, it could be, you know, whatever it is, I just kind of decide near the time. And then even if people don't book with me, I'm really happy to chat with them because I feel, you know, potential clients will leave and oh, we really spoke to Siona for a while and, you know, haven't thought about it, you know, I kind of got to know her a little bit more. And so even if a client doesn't book with me, but I'm still chatting to them at the end of, I don't kind of force people to come into my competition. <laughs> Once I've had a chat with someone and I'll say that, you know, even if you're not booking today, would you like to enter the giveaway? You know, and they go, oh yeah, that's great. That's fine. I never want to feel like I'm just standing there trying to collect emails. So I will always try and, and do that. And then after, after an event, I'll get in touch and then I'll maybe run a, a kind of nurture sequence on the emails and see if anybody wants to kind of book ahead that didn't book at the show. God, okay. So really your aim at the show is to get the booking. That's the number one priority. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if someone is showing interest and they like the special offer that's there, do you pull up a Calendly link? Do you give them, uh, do you have an iPad there? Like how do they actually, do they actually book there and then? Yeah, so what, no, because that's the thing, you know, people don't really know what they're doing and they've got other things planned. I didn't really come to, what I hear a lot when I go to a show is I didn't, even from clients that book, they say, oh, we didn't think we would be booking anything today or buying anything today, we were just coming for a look. So what I do is I give them a voucher um, and that voucher is valid for the next six months or so. And then once they know what date they would like, then we book that in. If it's a newborn session, I will actually put their due date straight in the diary and they're booked in for their newborn. 
but obviously, you know, I reserve time two weeks before, two weeks after, so I explain that to them. Um, and I'll sort of put you in the diary for your due date, and then I'll follow up with an email afterwards about how it all works fully. But yeah, I go for I go for booking specifically, and to you know, just to speak to clients, it's nice to know who's coming in the door <laughs> as well. You know. Yeah, for sure. And so, let's say I come through with Linda. You know, it's a home show, and we love your display. We start chatting. We're excited about having the family photographed. You give me a voucher. Do you actually get any of my details then to follow up or are you just relying on me and the conversation that we had for me to follow up with you? No, I take all your details as a, as a booking. And if, yeah, and if we don't arrange a date, then I would touch base with you afterwards. But I touch base with everybody that books anyway afterwards, maybe like two days after the show or whatever. Via email or phone? Yeah, usually, well, I, I usually ask them and, you know, they kind of say, oh, no, that's fine, just drop me an email. But so when they're here, that's the kind of, when I've got them chatting to them at the show, that's also where I show them some of the products. So that's where the kind of, you know, the IPS process starts is when I show them the products there. You know, I have people that come to me and they say, I want that. And they just point to one of my wall art pieces and say, we really want that. And then <laughs> you book them in for that. But then obviously then they, they purchase more items. You know, your clients can't can't know what they want or know what they want to buy without seeing what you do. You take photographs, but what do you give them as, you know, as an end product? So I'll always have my kind of my biggest and best kind of wall art pieces at the event so they can see what we can make together. Got it. Love it. I love it. I don't know a lot about the GDPR, which I know you guys are pretty fanatical about, and I think it's the <laughs> same for anywhere, anyone in Europe. So if someone says to you, just go ahead and email me, is that enough for you to email them or do they have to tick a box, you know, to say, uh, you know, I understand. They, they need to tick a box now. Really? Yeah. It wasn't like that before. They have to tick a box. So on their booking form, they have to tick a box to say, yes, please email me about my booking. Wow. So that would be only about the booking. And then I have to have another box which will say, please, yes, I would like to be kept up to date with the offers discount news. So that's a separate box. So anybody who emails Anybody who enters a giveaway, if I do a giveaway, they have to tick a box to say, yes, you can contact me about the giveaway. And then, you know, once I announce the winner of the giveaway, I then have to really have them to sign up to emails and offers because I can't just automatically give that to them. So, and if they don't sign up, then I can't send them anymore. It's so strict for you guys now. Mm -hmm. It is. It really is. (laughs) My goodness. I still get so much in my inbox that I never... I don't know why. Yeah. I still got so much in my inbox that I never signed up for or that I've unsubscribed to about five times. So I don't know how that works when some of us, the small businesses are so, you know, really on to GDPR, but some of the bigger ones, I don't know. Wow. Okay. And is it the same for a phone? Like if someone says, can you just give me a call or does that rarely happen these days? Um, no. So I, I always call my clients before they book, but that's a kind of an agreement via email. We'll just say, you know, I'm just going to give you a call and we can chat about, you know, your questions and things like that. I never book clients via email at all. I always speak to my clients, either Zoom or a phone call first. So that's always pre-agreed, I guess. Got it. Okay, let me take you back to a couple of things that you said earlier. Is And one of the big things was that you said, that, you know, business is so different now compared to the way you were doing business in the boudoir business. How is it? I mean, I know it's just you now. Is actually running the business the same or is everything different? I think running it is kind of the same. It's just on a, a manageable scale for one person. But I think I think sometimes the marketing has changed. I think there's a lot more marketing things, I guess, to consider than I really knew about before. Whether it were whether it was already there and I just didn't know, I don't really know. 
but I didn't really know anything about business when I started and anything about marketing. And for me, it just seemed the way to to get yourself known to people is to go and talk to them. Whereas obviously, yeah, you can still do that now, but I think there are lots of other ways, even just how your website reads, you know, how your copy reads, you know, nurture sequences were not a thing for emails before. They seem to be everywhere. Everyone talks about funnels and, and Facebook ads. And, you know, there's so many different ways now to market than I feel that there was before. So I think that these are all different options. Sometimes you can, I think, be bogged down with, you feel like there's so much and you think, oh my goodness, which one is the best one now? I don't think any of them are the best one. I just feel like whatever you feel works for you and your business and focus on maybe one or two different things, maybe three. But I think there's so many options now that Instagram, you know, and Instagram and Facebook, they change their algorithms all the time. You know, Instagram has just come out with it's no longer a photo sharing site. Some people lost their minds. (laughs) It's just just, um, there's so many different ways now to reach people than there were in 2007. So true. So true. Siona, are you clicking a pen there while you're telling to me? Was I? Or maybe I was. (laughs) I can just hear this click, click, click. That's all good. It's all good. Sorry, I can't even hear it. Okay. (laughs) And the other thing that caught my attention that you said earlier, and I do want to talk about IPS in just a second, is that you said that there's less pressure with the sales now. Because I imagine with the big studio and the lease or the rent payments and all the other the costs, the staff costs, you really had to make sales. Does it feel different now when it's just you in business? It does. So I didn't have, I know some studios, they have a photographer. And then after that, they will have a salesperson, you know, carry out the session. Was We never did it like that at all. Like we kind of wanted the consistency. So you would view with the person that you photographed always. And so they would come back to you and it didn't feel like a sales experience. It was still a very personal, you know, session, ladies in their laundry and and less. But yeah, I I think that the... Just with the less pressure. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, there is less less pressure, definitely. Because I I imagine in the old studio, like you, I I might be wrong here, but I imagine that you'll be really pushing the clients. Like if you don't buy today, that the photos are going to be deleted. Was it that kind of pushy? (laughs) No, we were never. I've heard of that, those types of studios. No, we were never like that. Okay. We never wanted anything to put a dampener on the experience at any point, you know. And if the client left with a £300 order, you know, that's what they were happy with. And, you know, at the end of the day, that client might leave with a £300 order. But the fact that she leaves saying how much she enjoyed the whole experience and she didn't feel pressured or anything, and she says that to other people, that's also what you want. You know, it's not just trying to get your clients. We've heard clients, um, people that came to us haven't gone to other photo shoots, not boudoir, and they said, oh, we can do credit. Do you want to phone up your husband and see if we can do a credit agreement for you? And <laughs> She was just, she said the way that she was approached, she just wanted to leave. She was made to feel really upset. And for me, it was all about reputation as well. So, but there's definitely less pressure um, doing it this way. And it's it's so personal. It's so tailored. It's, it's really, it's really a nice thing to do. And then when these clients come back and collect their wall art pieces, it's just so nice to see them. Nice. So when you say less pressure now, is it less mm-hmm. pressure to make the money because you don't have the expenses or is it, is the sales tactics is there less pressure there like i'm getting lost on the pressure okay so i feel like so ips was never was never a thing um it was you know it was just part of being a photographer you took photographs and then you showed your client the photographs while they sat beside you whereas i feel like ips is, is 
become more of a thing because a lot of photographers when then when they started they just did digital and galleries and things like that but in terms of pressure you know when you know if I have a, a two thousand pound sale there's no lease coming from that there's no staff costs coming from that you know there's no unexpected huge repair bill for something or you know or whatever it is on the building you know it's it's a different experience and I feel like you know I remember the times when it was the week that we were to pay the lease and we were like you know really kind of hoping for some bigger sales you know this is lease week and stuff like that but it's not like that now I, it's just it, it just feels less pressure it's not that I get any less of a sale or it's a different experience but for me as a business owner knowing how many expenses that we had before because a lot of business owners they do talk about six figures but they don't talk about the expense it takes you to get to that you know because you need staff and, and everything else yes so in terms of pressure I think it's more about I don't have a day where you know how much would come out what uh, four thousand pounds was coming out for the lease or whatever you know that's not a date that will ever approach for me anymore and the, every Friday was payday well, was that per month that was £4,000 and that was quarterly. A quarter, right. Okay, so 8000 Okay, right. So still a chunk of change. Yeah. And then, you know, we paid our staff weekly. So then we would have six six members of staff. Sometimes we also maybe would take on another makeup artist or whatever. So, you know, every Friday was payday for that. And then there was the lease that came out from that. And then the shows and events, which were great, but, you know, they still had a deadline for them to be paid. Whereas it feels different now when I get a sale. I'm not having to, when I do my cost of doing business, I don't need to include leases or staff or anything like that. So, Well, it's almost all yours now, <laughs> which is really nice. It, it kind of is, yeah. You know, before we would get excited and we'd run, you know, when we got a really fantastic sale and, and then when you see everything that goes out from that, you're like, oh, that's great. But it does, a lot of it's going out. Whereas now when I have a great sale weekend, it's pretty much just the price of the products and maybe some marketing. It's time for a glass of fizz. so tell me about ips because i know that's a huge part of what you believe in what you do what you teach is there any special software that you use do you feel like you do it differently or you know what is about ips that's so good so i don't really do it differently um very differently at all from when i first started so when i first opened boudoir we didn't have enough money for a desktop so we had a laptop, a Mac laptop, and we would view on there. And the way that we did it was we made a movie of the images in iMovie. I've never edited images before I show them to clients. So clients see them as they're shot, maybe a levels adjustment, but we didn't spend lots of time editing. You know, again, I do talk a lot of the time about time and, you know, if you edit a full gallery and your client chooses three, you know, that's just, it's a lot of wasted time. So we would edit one or two, show the client, this is how they look. Um, we would run through iMovie and then we would just open them up individually in Photoshop and the client would just eliminate. And then we press that magic F3 button and then you would see them all up on the screen at the same time. But we did that on a laptop because that was all we had. And then as the sales started to come in, we did it differently. We did it on a desktop. Um, we did try the big TV thing, but the images looked really rubbish on these TVs. So we sat to that quite quickly. And the only thing really that I do differently now that I didn't do for Boudoir is I use a viewing software. So now I use Fundy and I do a slideshow on Fundy and then we select the images individually after that. So that's probably the only thing I do differently. So still on a laptop today? Uh, on a desktop. Yeah, on a desktop. So I do have 
a huge wall in the studio, which really is pretty much prime for using a projector. And I have blackout blinds and things like that. A lot of people say, you know, to show them really big, to sell them really big. And I, I totally get that philosophy. However, I've, for since I started viewing a desktop, I've always viewed on a desktop and I still sell, you know, 50, 60 inch framed canvases um, viewing from a desktop. So I'm not sure of the project. I keep saying I'm going to try it out because I do experiment a lot in my business. I try things out, I mix things up. So I probably am still going to try the projector at some point. But for now, I just use desktop. Right, okay. I'm guessing it's usually the family that come back to see the photos. This is all at your home. Do they get the glass of fizz when they come in to see these photos? Or is it all business? Well, no, we generally have chats. So I would normally, I tend to book two hours for a viewing appointment. It's normally done and dusted in about an hour, maybe an hour and 20, but I like to give my clients as much time as they need. And we have a lot of conversation and chat. Pre-COVID, my clients would come and have tea, coffee, we would have cakes, everything. (laughs) It was a good excuse for me to have this cake. Uh, And we would have like cupcakes and tea and we would chat for a while and then we'd get on with the viewing. But because now masks still need to be worn, I can't offer tea and coffee to my clients, um, anything like that. So I tell them I would normally do that, but, you know, if they want to kind of, bring their own snack or something like that, you know, they're welcome to do so. Right. And then is it always the mum and the dad that come or do you try and get the mum and the dad to come for that viewing session? I tend to only book a session when mum and dad can come. And the reason for that is because, um, again, you learn from experience, don't you? Um, sometimes if mum comes on her own, if dad's too busy or he can't come, she'll choose, you know, a, a huge big order. She loves her photographs. And then we go to sign the agreement and then she's, oh, no, I need to wait until I've spoken to dad. And then, you know, mum will go back and speak to dad, but dad's not in agreement because dad's not seen the photograph. So it makes it really difficult. So I always just say, you know, it's best that mum and dad, you know, come along for the viewing. And I've I've not had a problem with that since I put that in. And it's nice for dad, mum and dad to come along together and see them together. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. So they turn up, they've got their masks on, you bring up Fundy on the desktop and they go through a slideshow. I'm guessing that's to music. Yeah. And then do you go through one by one and they choose their favourites? Well, this is the thing. For me, it depends on what I'm feeling from the client and from what any past conversations we had. I feel like sometimes you can tailor this part to your actual client. So with some clients, we'll go through the slideshow and at that point, I will then show them things that are on the wall and show them what they are and then give them the price list, which they've already seen prior. And, you know, okay, where would you like to go? What do you want to do with this? Some clients, I will feel like, okay, let's now go through them individually and we'll select your favourites. And it just, I make the decision at the time based on my kind of connection with the client or what I think that they want from their session. And we'll have already talked about kind of what they're thinking. So that's kind of two ways I do that. Okay. And then, so let's say you get the feeling that you start showing the framed artwork on your walls in the studio and they say, yeah, we love that. Do you then show them an example of how that would look, you know, with with a frame in the Fundy software or you just, let's pick a photo for that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so I'll show them. um, So what I'll do is before the viewing, I will mock up some rooms for them with things that I feel like works best for their images. And then I will actually export them and put them in the slideshow. And so even though we haven't, we'll have touched on wall art briefly, we'll have spoke about it. 
prior to booking, we'll speak about it in the studio. And then when they come for the viewing, when they get to the end of the slideshow, there's maybe three or four options of wall art that just come up in the slideshow. So without me saying, let me do this for you, they get to see that already. And I'll explain to them also, you know, why I have chosen this image for that frame or why I feel these three work as a good trio or, you know, I explain to them the reasons for that. I sell a, um, what the most popular piece I sell is a story frame, which is a nine image. And the most popular size I sell on that is a 42 inch. And I explain to them why I chose those nine images and explain to them it's about the balance of the image and, you know, but also getting the full story. And I think once, you know, I have a lot of clients that come in and they'll say, you know, we just don't know what works. You know, we don't know what are the best images to put together. So and as a photographer, I feel like that's also part of your service to your client. So they will see mock-ups of their images in the rooms as well. And with Fundy, you can also do this great thing where your client can send you a photograph of the room and you can upload that into Fundy and you can actually get measurements and actually show them exactly above their fireplace at a certain size as well, which is great because clients are actually able to see exactly how they would look instead of going, oh, we've just bought that. I hope it looks okay. <laughs> they can see it. So it's great. Love that. Okay. So you're actually pre-designing some of these wall art pieces even before they've seen their photos. They're ready to go before they even turn up. Yeah, I get it all ready for them. So that there's, well, really it's just for me to kind of show this is what I think works with your images and, and why. So it's already there for them. So they don't have to think about it or say, could I see this with that frame and it's already done. And I usually choose what I, you know, as photographers, your clients sometimes choose different images from you. You know, you'd feel there's a really strong image there, but your client sees it differently. So I try and put the images that I feel quite strongly about in the wall art pieces. Nice. So at what point, and I know you said they've already seen the price, but at what point do you reiterate, okay, if you love this, this is going to cost you know, 960 pounds. Like when does that come up, that conversation about money? So, so the way that it works is once I've kind of shown them everything that I do and the images that I feel work best, I will then give them the price list, which they've already seen. And I'll just say, you know, so, you know, you've already had a look at this. Here it is again. And I will show them the packages. I will show them the wall art and I will point to, okay, that, so that's a framed canvas and that's a story frame and so that they know what it is that they're looking at. And then I'll just say, you know, I'll be guided by what you want to do. Right. And then I don't say anything. And that's the secret. Don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Because your clients are trying to figure out exactly. Some clients come in with a kind of rough idea about what they might like. And that changes quite a lot once they see their photographs. So, yeah. And then the client will come back to me and say, well, you know, we really want that. So we'll, you know, this package and that. And really the money figure only comes at the end once we've written down what they want and they've chosen what they want. And then I'll kind of tally up their order, show them any discounts and get them to send the order form. Okay. So what's an average sale for you in the family business? In the family business, an average sale is about 1800 to about two and a half thousand pounds. Wow. Okay. So again, this, okay, I'm loving that we're having this conversation <laughs> because there are so many members in the PhotoBizX community from the UK that just don't believe that these figures are possible. They just they say it's too tough in the UK. We hear about it in Australia, in the US, even Canada. We just don't believe we can get these figures. But you're proof that it can be done. Oh, you can. Yeah, you absolutely can. Okay. So let's say it's £2,000, the price for my family. I've come in for a session. 
then am I signing anything? Am I paying you on the spot? Am I doing a part payment? How does that part work? Yeah, so I have a session fee, first of all, and I have a different session fees for weekdays and weekends. And I keep my session fees relatively low. I know some photographers say I'll put them high and include print credits in that, but I just have two base session fees. And then once they come back to view, that's when they choose their package and they pay for it, and they pay for it that day before they leave. So that's another, you know, have your client pay before you leave the same that you would pay for something that you've just bought before you leave the shop. And then they would sign an agreement and I would kind of, you know, have a chat to them, you know, turnaround time is about 28 days. If you've ordered a print only order, you know, you can't reproduce these. Um, I never get a print only order, to be honest. And yeah, and uh, obviously these items are bespoke, they're made to order, they're non-refundable. And they sign that and then they pay and then they leave and then I get to work getting everything off for printing and stuff. Wow. So they've already paid like a 99 pounds session fee. So does that come off the cost of the order or that's in addition to? No, no, that doesn't. That's for the session. So I have a weekday session, which is 99 and a weekend session, which is 125. I'm probably going to increase the weekend session because it's not deterring people from wanting to book weekends. (laughs) So um, I... I never work on a Sunday unless I'm doing a, so this weekend I did some outdoor sessions, um, a kind of river that runs really low in the summer. And I did those on Sunday. But if I'm doing outdoor sessions, that's probably only when I do a Sunday. Otherwise, I don't work on a Sunday and I take every third Saturday off. And when I do work on a Saturday, I'm normally finished by two o'clock. So then obviously kids are at home on the weekend, so we go and do something. But yeah, so they would have their session fee and then they would come in and choose what they wanted from the order, and then they would pay for that then. Right, okay. I love it. So nearly all of your work is is studio-based at your home. Yeah, at home, in the studio. And when I first started doing the studio, newborn and family, you know, I ended up having a newborn myself. So I had a newborn, and I had a baby and a, a little one in preschool, in nursery, and then I had one in primary school. And you know they have so many different start and finish times <laughs> in that day. So I would spend most of my days to and from, to and from, to and from. So when I started to do this, I just thought, uh, you know, I will shoot some on weekends. And I started to do online galleries for the first time because I'd never done them before. And I got really frustrated with it. I just feel like, why is nobody buying wall art? (laughs) Um, And then I just thought, no, I'm going back to IPS. That's what I did. And I found the time and I did IPS and went back to that. But yeah, this has been from home. And when when I was doing online galleries, I was really... I guess I was kind of new to newborn and family and I was charging less than I do now. But I couldn't get a sale above £450 no matter what I did. I tried everything to sell wall art in an online gallery and I tell this story to a lot of other photographers. And I think I sold two pieces of wall art and one was to my friend, so I don't even know if that counts. Um, But I I couldn't, it it wouldn't work. I just thought, what is it? It's not working. Why is this not working? And then I just thought, no, I'm just completely changing. I'm switching the model. I'm going back to IPS. And then my first sale from IPS, the very first one I did, and I felt really nervous about it, even though I'd done it for so long, was £750, just straight off the back, and she paid and she left. And then it just... I increased my prices and then we are where we are now. Um, but I was at 450 really getting really frustrated and now I'm kind of really happy where I am. 
to be fair. That's so good. So for the listener or any photographer that you know wants you to handhold them through this process, maybe they are doing online sales and they want to go to IPS, that's what you offer in your education, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I offer newborn photography training in studio and I offer, obviously it depends on the style that you like. My style is very neutral, um, kind of unfussy, lots of white. And then I also offer coaching options and I offer um, IPS training. So the IPS training is one-to-one. I feel like we really need to get to grips with, you know, the person that wants to be trained, their business and what they want from IPS. Because it doesn't always have to be big, massive numbers. You know, it doesn't have to be. Um, IPS can be what in a way that works for your business. And then I do one-to-one IPS. And after that, you'll go into a private Facebook group and we do a monthly coaching call. So when you're transitioning to IPS from online galleries, it can seem like a big journey, like a big step. And, you know, you'll have all the information and you'll have all the kind of cheat sheets and stuff, but then you've got to implement it. And sometimes that's also an additional process. So um, we hold these monthly coaching calls where I'm there and anyone else that wants to jump on and we talk about any problems that anyone's having or what products or where from or what sizes or we talk about pricing an awful lot. So, yeah, but I mean, I started with absolutely no business knowledge whatsoever. And I feel like if I can do it, anybody can do it. And the fact that you're doing it in the UK where everyone says it can't be done, I love that. I love that. So good. <laughs> Siona, where's the best place to go to learn more from you and about you? Oh, okay. So um, my photography website is sionamisumiphotography.co.uk. My training website is sionamisumieducation.com. Um, but I'm also on Instagram. Just again, just my name, Siona Misumi. You'll find me on there too. Fantastic. I'll add links to to anywhere and everywhere that you've mentioned in the show notes, including your training. Super. So if there's someone that wants to get into newborn photography, I know you said that you teach newborn photography as well. Can that be done via Zoom or is that one-on-one for people in the UK? So it's one-on-one for people in the UK, but I am moving some of my training. um, I'm in the process of moving some of it more online so that I could reach more people. Um, however, yeah, at the moment, the newborn training is one-to-one. I've actually got somebody coming today to do that, <laughs> funnily <laughs> enough. Um, so, so yeah, it's one-to-one and it's a whole day. So it's about 10 to 4 and it's very hands-on. So you don't just come and watch me. You actually get to work and you get wrapping and posing parents. And then once we've done all those bits and pieces, then we go on to editing and I'll show you how I edit. And it's, it's, a, it's a whole process. And then it includes three three months of Zoom coaching as well. And that can be, so that's one one session a month and that can be on whatever topic you want it to be to help you grow your newborn business as well. Or it could be completely technical, um, whatever you prefer. Got it. But the IPS training, that could be for anyone in any part of the world. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, so it's one-to-one. It is about three and a half hours. We go through an awful lot. There's a there's a 26-page cheat sheet can I call that sheet or call that a book um <laughs> that you can that you can fill in as you go and then there's lots of after support as well there's also discounts in that with Fundy discounts with um Enphoto um I work with Enphoto as well so there's discounts for Enphoto and there's some other discount bits and pieces in there as well for Photoshop actions for your newborn work as well unreal Siona, this has been so long in the making, this interview. If the listener only knew how long we've been chatting and how many back and forth, and even just getting on for today's call was a nightmare. So look, massive, <laughs> massive thanks for agreeing to do this, coming on and sharing everything you did. You have been amazing. So thank you so much. 
Oh, well, thank you so much. And sorry with the Zoom complications at the start. I don't know what happened there, but I'm glad we got here and I'm glad we did it. It was so nice to talk to you. And it was so nice just to actually just stop and think back to how it started as well. So that was quite nice. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Siona as much as I did. Siona, it was so good to talk to you. It was lovely to hear another Scottish accent, being married to a Glaswegian myself. And I wanted to also say thank you so much for sharing everything you did. It really was an eye-opener. I love the fact that hopefully we can dispel the myth that it's impossible to generate great sales in the UK from portrait photography. So again, massive thanks, Siona. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what she had to share in today's interview. Was there something that you heard that you thought, yes, absolutely, I can implement and use that in my business? If there is, let me know in the comments area of the show notes or in the Facebook group for premium members. What is one takeaway that you're going to be implementing as a result of what you heard from Siona today? And I'm particularly interested if you are a UK-based photographer or you service a lower socioeconomic region or clientele, did you pick up some tips and ideas that you can implement in your business to increase your sales, to make more profit from your business? Let me know. The show notes for today's episode are at photobizx.com forward slash 428. In those show notes, I've got examples of Siona's beautiful work. I've got links to anything and everything she mentioned. It's all there in that one spot, including where you can find Siona to seek her out for extra training if you want that from her. Again, you can find that at photobizx.com forward slash 428. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Just before we close out today's episode, I wanted to give you one quick reminder about the LinkedIn training for photographers. It's kicking off this Thursday morning, Australian Eastern Time, which could be your Wednesday. I have emailed you, if you are on my email list, all the details about the training. It's going to be one session per week over the next four weeks. And Jeff Brown, who is our presenter, says that LinkedIn is the most underused social platform by photographers, but is a goldmine if you know what you're doing and you have a fully optimized profile while posting the right type of content. He also says if you run a photography business and you're not utilizing LinkedIn to grow a huge network and make a lot more money, you are missing out. So if that's you, if you don't know where to start with LinkedIn or you're on the platform but aren't utilizing it effectively, this is the training for you. And there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't get on board and do this and register for it now, even if you can't make the live sessions because the sessions will be recorded. You can watch them immediately afterwards or when you get a chance to watch them. You'll have access to the standalone course, which is where the recordings will live after they've been recorded and delivered by Jeff. But if you can make the live sessions, there'll also be live Q&A, so you'll have easy access to Jeff there. And he's going to take us through step-by-step over the next four weeks on exactly what we need to do to generate more leads and ultimately more income by utilizing LinkedIn. So to register and to reserve your spot, make sure you head to photobizx.com forward slash LinkedIn. The cost is incredible value at 97 US dollars. It's going to go to double that or close to double that at $197 after September 21. So there's no reason not to get on board now. Register, book your spot, get to the live training if you can make it. If not, watch the recordings You can post your questions to Jeff via me and I'll get them to him 
to answer in the following live session if you can't make those live sessions yourself. So you will have all your questions answered. And one thing I haven't mentioned before now is absolutely there is a 100% money back guarantee. So if you sign up and you feel like you are not getting value, it's not what you need, it's not what you expected, you let me know and I will happily refund 100% of what you paid with no questions. I'm totally happy to do that. I 100% stand by Jeff and what he's going to be teaching. And I'm going to be going through this with you. So I know nothing about LinkedIn. I literally registered for my profile, my account this week. I've been uh, accepting connection requests from uh, PhotoBizX listeners and members over the last week. I've seen my profile pop up, I guess. It is totally unoptimized. It's <laughs> just nothing there. And I'm going to be working through the program with Jeff and building out my profile as he teaches the course. So I'm going to be in the trenches with you, doing this with you over the next four weeks, and we can work through it together. So I'd love to see you there. Get on board if you want to start utilizing LinkedIn or you have an idea that you might want to use it in the future because now is the best time to get in on this training. photobizx.com forward slash LinkedIn if you want to reserve your spot. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you have an amazing week. I hope you are staying safe, healthy and well. And if you're going to be doing the LinkedIn training, I will see you on your Wednesday or your Thursday, depending on where you are in the world. Otherwise, I'll be back next week with another episode, another interview for you. And finally, one more thanks to Siona for coming on and sharing everything she did. Have a great week wherever you are in the world. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest.